This is Austin Real Estate Investing. Austin Real Estate Investing. We'll be discussing real estate investing in Austin, Texas, and bringing you experts from all different sectors of the real estate game. Your host, Jordan Moorhead, is a real estate agent and investor in Austin and is here to help you get started or to build your portfolio and explore new strategies. Hi, this is Jordan Moorhead with the Austin Real Estate Investing Podcast. And today I have a special guest, actually an agent on our team here in Austin. He's doing a bunch of awesome real estate investing right now. He just bought a short-term rental outside of Canyon Lake. He's into two house hacks already in his first two years. And he's working on his next deal already. Devin Dang is here, and he's going to tell you all about why he loves real estate investing in Austin. What's up, Devin? Thanks, Jordan. It's been a long time coming, but we finally made it and I'm excited to be here. Yeah. And, and what Devin says, I've been asking him to be on the podcast for at least a year and just, we finally got guy. him on here. So Devin, everybody wants to know what's your favorite restaurant in Austin? Oh, hands down, not only my favorite, but the best restaurant in Austin is Terry Black's. Yeah, You go get a fatty brisket, some sides, the free bread, pickles, onions, and maybe one more piece of meat. Everyone always overorders when they go. But Terry Black's number one used to go there almost every week in college in a close second at Sushi Janai. All you can eat sushi, two locations, highly recommend. Yeah, I love both those places. And uh, Terry Black's, if you order too much, you're never going to be mad. You should take it home. <laughs> That's true. That's true. Everyone over overorders every time they go, especially first time. But like you said, it's not a bad thing. Yeah. It's so it's so easy to do that because you just see all these people and you kind of feel like I got to get as much as I can when I've gotten through this line and I don't want to have to go back through this line. So if I order too much, that's my my thought process is if I order too much, I'll be OK. And I never have a problem eating all the barbecue I've ordered. So I could order three pounds and I'd finish it off while I was sitting there. But that's just me. Oh, yeah. And one tip when you show up to Terry Black's. There's going to be a long line, but don't let it scare you. It moves super fast. Yeah. I've yeah, I've seen it even all the way around the parking lot, and I've still gotten food pretty quickly. Oh, yeah. So, Devin, you know, people obviously just know a little bit about you already, but could you explain who you are and how you're involved with real estate investing in the Austin area real quick? Yeah, absolutely. I think it'd be good to provide a little bit of context. So I come from a family of Vietnamese immigrants. My grandpa was in the Vietnam War and came over in the 70s. And for most of his young adult life and really most of his adult life, he was in the army. And coming over here with absolutely nothing, blue collar worker, um, you know, there was a lot of things that stood out to me from my childhood. One of those being that we moved around a ton. We rented almost every single one of the homes. Every couple of years, we kept moving and moving, moving. And I lived with my mom, who was still finishing college. I had my grandparents that lived with us and my uncle. And when they finally bought their first house in 2008, it got foreclosed on shortly after. So this is a good piece of context to understand why I'm in real estate today. But yeah, we just kept moving around a lot. And eventually, you know, I got to my junior year of college and the there was a guy who pulled me into his office and he started talking about how he's going to buy turnkey properties. 
He was going to live off his income and live in Thailand. And he pulled up this chart and he pulled up this chart with assets and liabilities. And Jordan, you know where I'm going with this, but for those that have not read this, this is the origin story of every single real estate investor. It's a book called Rich Dad, Poor Dad. And a high level summary of it is that the main difference between the middle class and the upper class is that the middle class uses their job to buy liabilities and they're constantly dependent on their job to continue filling their lifestyle. So they talk about the rat race. So imagine a mouse on a wheel, just running and running and running and running. And I think a lot of people confuse progress or movement for progress. And what happens is people stay in a W2 for 10, 20, 30 years, and they end up in the same place. But the chart inside Rich Dad Poor Dad talks about the rich use their assets that they've accumulated to pay for the liabilities and eventually take a step back and either stick, take a step back altogether completely or even partly and the assets keep continuing to fuel their lifestyle. So that being said, that's when the real estate bug hit me. I would drive an hour and a half to and from work every single day. So an hour and a half each way. So three hours total and what Brandon Turner calls a mobile university. I sat in my car, listened to every single Bigger Pockets podcast. So if you're just now getting into it, the fast track to get to from the point of not knowing anything about real estate to getting excited and doing it is reading Rich Dad, Poor Dad and listening to podcasts like this, the Awesome Real Estate Investing Podcast and Bigger Pockets. So fast forward even more, I somehow graduated UT, a lot different person than I was back then, but I was really focused on just party at that time, wanted to go work a corporate job. And I was just going to do this nine to five thing. But there was that real estate bug that I continued to have. And going back to the money scripts that I had when I was younger, growing up, there was always this overwhelming sense of anxiety around money. There's in the air, couldn't really verbalize as a kid, but we always thought about the money we didn't have and lack of opportunities. So that really fueled kind of this drive to think about money more in a different way. So after I graduated college, I ended up meeting Jordan, which is actually my agent for my very first house hack deal. And it absolutely changed my life. It allowed me to buy two more properties and potentially working on a fourth one here soon. I um, just left my W2 two months ago to be a full-time real estate investor and agent here in Austin to help as many people house hack and do the same. So that was a really long way of saying that's where I am now. A few properties, and I just love house hacking, and I can talk about it all day. That's awesome. And I actually just got that contract signed back in the email. So you wow, there you go. You're soon too. <laughs> there you go. I didn't even know that until now. So we're finding out all here together. Fourth deal, lockdown. If you would have told me two years ago that I would work on my fourth deal by now, I would have thought you're crazy. It took me <laughs> three years to buy my first deal, mm -hmm. one year to buy my second three months to buy my third and less than a month to buy my fourth. So the lesson there is before you worry about how you're going to get five properties, 10 properties, just worry about getting that first one. One yeah. becomes two, yeah. two becomes three, and eventually it may become 50 or hundred. Yeah. That first deal is so hard. So you first learned about real estate investing and in assets and liabilities. Did you say the sophomore year, sorry, junior year of high school or junior year of college? Oh, I might have said high school, but it was in college. I was working at an internship at a place called JCPenney. So for the Gen Zers oh, cool. and young cool. millennials, mm -hmm. for those that don't know what that is, that's the department store you walk through in the mall to get to where you actually want to go. 
It's a, I didn't know I wanted to do at that time. I was like okay. financial analyst intern, just wanted some numbers. And then real estate was kind of that intersection of everything. That's awesome, man. Yeah. I, I went in a JCPenney recently and they they look kind of rough now. <laughs> Struggling. So, uh, I'm surprised they're still there closing stores every year, but yeah, we'll see, we'll see what happens. So you're, your family's up in Dallas. You came to college here in UT. I don't know if you said that. I just, I know that. Um, and did they move to Dallas from Vietnam? Yeah. So originally my grandparents immigrated from Vietnam, ended up in a couple of different cities. I don't remember if they landed in Houston or Kansas first, but a lot of the immigrants at that time couldn't get a lot of jobs. They were immigrants they were either just getting their citizenship so a lot of people flocked to kansas because a lot of the meat factories over there people were able to get jobs so there would be tons of people working at the factories down there i was born in kansas don't remember anything about it and then majority of our family's life has been in and around texas from houston and most notably arlington for the past you know 15 years or so okay and then you said that they bought a house in 08 and it got foreclosed on shortly after? Yeah. I mean, for two blue collar, lower middle class, uh, my grandparents and my my grandma and my grandpa, you know, my grandpa was a truck driver his whole life. My grandma works still in the same corn factory to this day. And the only reason they're able to buy a house around that 2008 time is because of the very loose lending restrictions. They're able to get a house. And for those that don't know, in 2008, the housing market crashed because there were so many people that couldn't couldn't afford to pay their mortgage rates anymore because everyone had an adjustable rate mortgage. They qualified for a loan they shouldn't have. They got a house and then they had to foreclose on it. So like the one kind of piece of ownership they had was taken away from them. And I remember a lot of that as a kid. That's Yeah, that's awful. So did their rate adjust up and their payment went way up? Yeah, went way up. They couldn't afford it anymore. My mom was still in college at that time because my mom had me when she was really young. And she's like, you guys have to foreclose and walk away from this house. We can't pay anymore. And my grandparents are devastated. You know, it's the American dream to be able to come here. But as a minority, there's a huge generational wealth gap that you have to work against. They didn't have an education. So for that to be taken away from them, was really devastating and i didn't fully understand the idea of foreclosure being that young in my age but i just remember us always worrying about money all the time in every area of my life and that carries with me today yeah no it definitely builds habits i know uh my grandmother obviously grew up in the depression she was born in the 20s and was always super frugal and then passed that down to my dad and he definitely passed that down to me a little different but just like that scarcity mindset, it still pervades my decision making today on certain things. Like, yeah, it's it's hard to get over that. And I think at a point it does hold you back a little bit. So yeah. So yeah. How have it's... you worked to get over that? Hey guys, this is Jordan Moorhead here. And I wanted to ask if you could do a huge favor for me. If you could go leave a review for this podcast wherever you're listening to it. That would really help me get this into the hands of other people that are interested in information about Austin real estate investing, and I'd be able to help more people. Thanks, guys. Yeah, I think 
using your weakness to become your superpower is something you have advantage in adverse situations. You don't choose the hands that you're dealt, but you can choose what you want to do with those cards. And there's really two choices in life when you have a hand. You can either complain and say, wow, I have terrible hand. I'm a victim and I'm not going to do anything about it. And you pass down that generational gap of inequality and just lack of wealth in your family or two what i felt like i did was like this is my situation this is the hand that i have i have a chip on my shoulder that i now carry the responsibility to have the american dream so i use that adversity as my superpower the reason why i actually have actually and absolutely have to make it in some way shape or form and for me that was real estate yeah and you're crushing it so far dude um so so just for our listeners you have a you bought a house hack we i helped you buy the house hack that you bought in east austin you bought another house hack that you're currently living in in north austin and we'll talk about the strategies you're using here in a minute because i think it's awesome what you're doing then you bought a short-term rental with a partner in canyon lake and now you're looking to buy another duplex in austin too um I guess that's that's a good segue. Um, the reason I started this real estate podcast was I always heard people say, you can't invest in real estate in Austin. And I was living in my first real estate investment in Austin when I was hearing this stuff. And they're like, well, you can't do that here. I'm like, well, I, I'm doing it. You know, it works. And I know so many people that have done it so well. That How did you pick the strategies you're using here in Austin? And can you talk about what those are? Yeah, absolutely. So more so I ended up in Austin because I just love the city and I knew I wanted to invest in some type of real estate. And I just started exploring my options. I want to do long-term rentals, short-term and exploring all these different strategies through bigger pockets. And I came to the conclusion and still to this day, I will take it to the grave with me that house hacking is the absolute best way for anyone to get started. Mm -hmm. There's a few key pieces that make it achievable. And before I get into that, the reason why I love house hacking so much, because it breaks a lot of barriers that people have and self-limiting beliefs about real estate. When people think about real estate, they count themselves out immediately because it costs a ton of money. Only really old money, wealthy people can do it. And when I found out about house hacking, it was like that solution for me to get into it at such a young age. So I bought my first property with Jordan at 24. And the reason I chose house hacking is because number one, when you live in a property and you promise the lender that you're going to live in there for at least a year, you're able to put down less than 20%, typically anywhere from three to 5%. So if you take a medium price home here in Austin, so let's take a $500,000 home, 20% down is $100,000, whereas 5% down is $25,000. Don't get me wrong. $25,000 is still a lot more money. It's still a lot of money, but so much more achievable, a fourth of the price. So that's the first reason. The second reason was I lived at home for a little bit. I was working my W-2 job. I was not paying any rent. I was collecting all this income every single month and I was really enjoying it. I had the freedom and flexibility to not really crunch a ton of numbers, still have a budget, but still have a lifestyle that I wanted. And house hacking allows you to not only one, get in for cheap, two, allows you to live close to free or even free. And we can talk about 
people's misconceptions about house hacking in Austin, but I was able to live for free for both properties. Last property, even just a few months ago. So it gives me more flexibility and options as going forward. So those are the main two reasons why I chose house hacking and really just chose Austin because I wanted to be here. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's, you know, I talk to people all the time that reach out off of bigger pockets or Facebook or Instagram or whatever. And a lot of times people will say, Hey, where's the best place to house hack? And I'm like, you're asking the wrong question. Where do you want to be? Because you can exactly. only do one house hack a year. And you you might, if, if you do it right and you're able to do it for three or four or five years, that's awesome. But eventually you're going to find somewhere that you want to live and say, I'm going to buy a house here, or I'm going to buy a condo here. So with house hacking, the magic is that you get to live where you want to live for really cheap. And you get to get an asset. If you want to live there, there's probably good reasons. The value is going to go up a lot quicker. So <clears throat> you talked about 25K down for $500,000 house, which that'd be 5%. If you're paying $2,000 a month rent, you just paid $24,000 a month to live in a place for a year. So I gave you, Devin, my $24,000 and I got a place to live for a year, but I didn't get anything. I mean, it's a whole assets paying for your liabilities. Like if you're buying a house hack, you're buying an asset that's going to pay for your liability, which is rent. Um, I just, I see it's a no brainer. So on your first one, can you talk about your first house hack and some of the hurdles you overcame to get that done? Yeah, absolutely. So getting into my first property and a lot of resistance from people when they first hear about house hacking is the lifestyle shift that you have to have. I don't want to have roommates. I don't want to live around people. And it's this, usually it's a pretty negative narrative around it. And I get it. It is hard to share your space if you maybe lived alone before, maybe change your lifestyle a little bit. But it's also hard working at a W-2 job for the rest of your life that you hate and not having financial freedom, right? So yeah. Yeah. this is not my quote, but choose your heart. Like what little sacrifices can you make today to one, get into the property? Maybe you have to live at home for one year, not pay $2,000 in rent. Now you have a down payment. Second year, maybe you have a few roommates and then now you get to own a home that's being paid down by somebody else. Like there's a lot of different levels of hard and I'm going to choose the hard where I get to live with other people while I live in my own property. So going back to my property specifically, it was a rent by the room, single family house hack. There's really three, three ways that you can house hack. There's one, you can buy a single family home and rent out extra rooms. So rent by the room or co-living is called. Two, you can buy a duplex, live in, well, duplex, triplex, or fourplex. So any kind of multifamily property, live in one of the units and rent out the others. Or you can do the luxury house hack where you do a single family, live in the front, and you rent out a completely separate ADU with its own entrance. Pros and cons to each. I decided to do a single family rent by the room because buying single family house hacks here in Austin because of the inventory Single family homes actually allow me to be in slightly nicer areas of Austin. So I chose that property because one, <laughs> at the time we were looking, there weren't really many homes. So I was just wanting to house hack anything, but it allowed me to be closer. I was actually in a gated community, surprisingly. Mm -hmm. And the big part of it is I wanted to build a community of people I wanted to live around. So instead of saying that I have to live with roommates, 
those roommates that I first lived with in that house hack, the first deal, are still some of my best friends today. We made a great community. We got to hang out together. We did events outside. So I think the biggest shift is like, I don't have to have roommates. I get to have roommates. That's awesome. Yeah, no, you put an awesome community together. Like I've, I've met a few of your roommates and and you still have one of a, one or two of them move with you, right? Yeah, I've had one of them move with me. I helped one of them buy a house. And then one of them is now my property manager of that first property. He's still there. You know, there's I'd, I'd love to help anybody I work with or anybody I meet, honestly, get into real estate and house hack. But if not, you know, there's opportunities for us to stay connected through one of my properties, be a property manager or you know, the goal would be to have a ton of co-living properties across Austin. And if you need to switch a lease, you can switch to another house. So there's a lot of cool ways you can go about it. I think co-living is a very interesting strategy that is really being overlooked right now. Everyone thinks duplex first, but I think single family is going to be the next big thing. Yeah. And I mean, you know, like you mentioned, you you can you can be in a slightly nicer area. I would say uh, duplex house hacking is awesome. Having done it for a while, the the downsides in Austin really are that you're going to be in a bit like a busier area or more cars in the area or probably not as nice of an area. I love our duplex now. I love the last one we lived in. I love the one before that. But if you're like pickier about your neighbors, uh, single family might be the way for you for sure. Yeah, definitely pros and cons to each and both can work. I would definitely do both strategies and, you know, single family just happened to work out best for me the first time. Yeah, absolutely. And you still got the ability to do a, a duplex here too. So who yeah. knows? So who first, knows? first duplex coming, the first one absolutely changed my life. I bought it with Jordan for what, 267. It recently appraised for 415. That property now, after I moved out, cash flows me $1,400 a month. And has provided me enough equity to pull out a HELOC to help me fund and open up other opportunities. And all that happened just because I jumped into that first deal. Yeah. Yeah. And I want to talk about that first deal a little more and then we'll move on. So you ran into a situation where when you bought it, it and correct me if I'm remembering anything wrong, when you bought it, it didn't appraise correctly. Am I yeah. right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I Luckily, it worked out in the end. Have you wanted to be part of GoBundance, the tribe of millionaires, but just haven't hit that millionaire status yet? Well, now you can, not even being a millionaire, by joining our new program, GoBundance Emerge. My name's Jamie Gruber, creator of GoBundance Emerge and member of the GoBundance community. And now you can join GoBundance.com slash Emerge, GoBundance.com slash Emerge. Use code Jordan for $100 off this 12-week goal-setting program and mastermind that'll propel you to being a whole life millionaire. Um, so I, it ended up appraising for like 245. Mm -hmm. I put my purchase down for 267. And in this time, so to give everyone context, this is like beginning of 2021, mm -hmm. like January, February, people are putting in crazy offers, hundred thousand over list, 50 offers, firstborn child, like anything you can find yeah. to be able to try yeah. to get these houses. And it ended up appraising low. And at that time, my someone I knew reached out to me and said, hey, you should not buy this house. The housing market's going to crash. It's going to crash. And that's something that we hear every month, every year, like this is the year it's going to crash. And 
I'm so glad I didn't listen to that because that property gave me $150,000 in equity. It brought me to where I needed to do it. So I guess the lesson there is that if the cash flow number still makes sense, whatever your metric is, if it's cash on cash return or whatever it is, for me, it still worked out. The appreciation piece is the icing on the cake, never the first piece, but I'm so glad I didn't let go of that deal. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I wouldn't have blamed you if you did. It's like, oh, it came in $22,000 under what, what you agreed to pay <laughs> for it. And yeah, yeah, you were 20, 24 at the time, 23, 24. 24. And at that yeah, time, dude. it worked out and it makes me look smart now. But to be completely honest, I was just so excited to buy my first real estate property. Mm-hmm. You know, at that point, I've been studying real estate for three years. I was, I think, <laughs> you know, I wasn't the smartest investor then. Hopefully, I'm a little bit better now. But who knows? When we were looking at properties together, I pretty much put an offer on every single house we saw. I was like, yep, let's offer. Yep, let's that offer. That was the let's time let's when offer. there was because like lines around the block to buy houses. Yeah, houses. I was offering on everything because that interest rate that I got was a 2.75%. So every single house hack worked. Like there wasn't a property that didn't work as a house hack. So I'm like, sure, I'll take this one. Sure, I'll take this one. But I'm really glad how I ended up. I love the location. It's close to the city. And um, can definitely talk about what you have to look for in a single family house hack, some of the criteria that makes successful single family house hack if we want later. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and, and just for everybody listening, a little context, it was a little bit of a value add property. Like it, it had not been updated in quite a while. Devin did a lot of work to it to make it look good. So like, don't just buy something expecting it's going to go up in value. Devin knew what he needed to do to get the value up in that. So it was like, hey, it appraised a little low, but I'm going to fix it up and make it a lot nicer. And it's in a great area. So it was it was the right move for sure. Yeah. Within like four weeks, my, my equity is recaptured in appreciation. So yeah. it was a crazy time. Yeah. Yeah. Just by fixing the property up a little bit. Um, for your next one, and you you found an interesting house hack and kind of like some, something a lot of people look for. Can you talk about the single family with the garage apartment that you found? Yeah, absolutely. So this is becoming a little bit of a hot topic, but I did a sneaky duplex for my next property. It's really a single family house. The reason I ended up choosing this property is because just some qualifying issues with my loan, wasn't able to get an FHA to do a duplex. So I ended up looking for a single family with another unit similar to what a duplex would be that I could rent out on Airbnb. And a lot of people say that you can't house hack anymore and break even nowadays or even cash flow. But you know, I get it. It's hard, but that's absolutely not true. So I found a single family property, North Austin. It had a converted garage already. The house is a three, two, one story home, but the garage is a 1.5 story loft conversion. So they built up into the attic. So I was thinking about how to, can I find an Airbnb? That's a unique experience because right now Airbnb market is getting saturated, but Pareto's principle applies here where the top 20% will still do really good and do most of the business. So I was trying to look for something unique. I didn't want just a regular garage conversion. And I found this property where it has stairs that lead up into a loft. So now you have 
you know, 20 foot ceilings, 15, 20 foot ceilings. It makes it look way taller and bigger than the space is. I live in the main house. I rent out the extra rooms in my main house as long-term rentals, similar to my first property. But now I converted the garage completely to a short-term rental that is on Airbnb. And I just ran numbers last night. And in January, I hit 83% occupancy and brought in about $2,300 net after cleaning fees, after Airbnb fees, which covers three-fourths of my mortgage alone. So once you add in the rooms that I'm renting out, I'm cash flowing while I live in this property. And it should cash flow me around $2,000 or so after I move out if I run Airbnb in the main house and in the garage. So those are kind of the highlights. There's definitely cons and things that you have to work through and opportunities. I mean, not opportunities, additional work that you have to do, but that's how I made it work. Yeah. And you made it really, really cool and nice too. Like I walked in, I was like, wow, the, that bathroom is amazing. Like the whole unit is amazing. And I think you, you, you talked about Pareto's principle, like it's a really cool layout to begin with. And then you made it look really, really cool. Um, so if you did that well in January, like I don't think you're going to be paying a mortgage in March and April, you know? <laughs> Yeah, I was hoping to get 1500 or so like that was my target. So in January, a slow month bringing 2300, I'm super happy. And in the moment, you spend so much money on Airbnb, you're buying two beats of pans, two sets of dishes, 30 million towels, renovations. And at some point, you feel like you should scale back and not spend as much. But absolutely, you've already done the work, you've bought the property, you renovated it, go ahead and spend that extra 20% to make it really nice, because that's going to be the difference between you being booked and your competitor. Yeah, 100% agree. We're, we're fixing up one of ours right now to make it even better. And I think you really should kind of go that extra mile to stand yeah. out, because like Devin said, it's getting saturated. For sure. <clears throat> All right, Devin. Um yeah, awesome, awesome origin story. Really cool way you've gotten started. Do you have any mistakes you think you've made or anything that you would tell somebody else to not do when it comes to real estate investing? Like what's the biggest regret you have or mistake you think you made? Man, the biggest mistake I probably made was getting a little too excited after my first property. I think there's this feeling that if you buy real estate and you do some renovations to it, then you're always going to come out on top. And that's not true. You know, if you overpay for a property, no matter what renovations you do, you still overpaid for that property in the first place. Um, it wasn't a big enough mistake for me to regret this past deal. Um, so, for example, this second property that I bought, you know, the market has shifted a little bit. I bought it for 465 and now a similar home across the street is you know, going really like low 400s, 400 to 425. Um, and I ended up, you know, the cash flow still works and I'm glad I still have this property. But I think the biggest thing is really focus on getting, you know, close to market value, under market value for properties that need work. Don't overpay for properties that need work just because everyone else is. Um, in a shifting market like that, if you're a flipper, you're trying to do a burr, it's really important. So I think it comes back to just really understanding your numbers and don't just assume that if you're going to renovate it, it's always going to be rainbows and butterflies and always going to be more just because I bought in 2021. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I, I agree. We've definitely had that happen with some burr properties where like, we could buy anything a year ago. And like you said, in 2021, 
people are like, oh, it's so hard to buy real estate. But once you could buy it, anything worked. Um, yeah. 2022, you actually have to to run numbers and make sure you're buying right. But there's amazing deals to be had right now. The house I'm closing on here in a few days, I can't believe I got that deal. Um, wow. It, it's just gotten a little more difficult. and You have to be smarter and you have to to use the right agent and you have to run the right numbers. Um, but that's fine because it's scared off a lot of other people. And I'm really happy to be buying houses in this market. Yeah, absolutely. It's the one that runs their numbers, has the best systems, does their due diligence that wins. Mm -hmm. Not everybody's going to win anymore. Only the best are going to survive and really every area where they're your investor, real estate agent, um, you know, across those, all those areas, just be really careful of your numbers. Yeah. Absolutely. And maybe, you know, have a little margin in there too. Um, Absolutely. So you recently just bought a short-term rental property here too. I know it's not up and running yet. Anything you want to talk about there? Yeah. So it's my first partnership deal. Super excited. Um, I met my partners at a meetup that we actually host the second Thursday of every month. So for those new investors that don't know where to start, one, I gave you Rich Dad, Poor Dad to go read. Second, podcast to tap into. The third piece that's tied all together that's going to move your journey way faster is getting out there and meeting people that have done it. It's not so scary trying to buy your first property when the guy next to you just bought five last week. So go out to meetups. Um, I met my partners through there. And you know, shout out to Adrian and Caitlin. It's the funnest real estate project I've ever been involved in. We picked up a short-term rental in the city of New Braunfels, but it's right next to Canyon Lake. It's outside the city limits in New Braunfels, so we don't have to have an STR license for it. That's a huge thing. Um, you can't buy a house anywhere in just STR. There's going to be rules and regulations. Be very careful where you look. We are doing a short-term rental out there. It's nine minutes away from Whitewater Amphitheater. And my favorite part about this is that you can do so much more with the team that you can do by yourself. I've always like held on to my equity and like, I'm doing it myself. I'm doing it myself. I don't need anybody's help. But on this project, I'm working on broken the deal and rehab. And at the same time, Caitlin um, is working on the design and the mood boards. At the same time, Adrian's setting up all the systems and property management. And it's just the coolest thing to be able to collaborate. So it's so much better to split up your equity and move faster than go at an extremely slow pace and hold everything for yourself. But we're really excited to host that, um, eventually launch that one here in about a month or so. It's going to have a hot tub, pool, fire pit, and just a full vacation rental experience. Yeah, I'm really excited to go there super cool man the pictures look awesome so it's gonna be a lot of fun yeah hill country views and just definitely looking a lot more out in the hill country now so many exciting opportunities out there yeah there's a ton um i think that you know people get real stuck on austin but a lot of people in austin want to get out of austin there are a lot of people want to come to austin but you know if i'm going to spend a weekend out and i'm going to pay for somewhere i'm not going to pay for it in austin i want to go somewhere probably more peaceful then Austin and hang out. And there's just a huge market for that. Yeah. For those that don't know, our not in Austin, Austin's a geographically like really small city. You can get from North to South Austin in 30 minutes. So for what would be somebody's commute in California, an hour drive from work to home, you could drive from downtown to this remote location in the hill country and still not be too far from the city. So I think there's just so much land and opportunity out there. Yeah. That's awesome. No, again, I'm really excited to check it out in person. 
Um, and you know, like you mentioned there, the meetups too, like that's so important. Some of the, the best connections I've met, I've met at meetups. And then, you know, like I've gone to conferences and seen these same people speak, but I paid for three, four or $500 to go to this conference. And I'm like, yeah. Hey, I just saw that guy speak at a local meetup and all I had to do was buy pizza last yeah. week. <laughs> you know, like it's, it, don't take meetups for granted. I mean, podcasts are cool. Conferences are cool. But meetups are kind of where it's at. And it's so cool that you met uh, Adrian there at our meetup. And now you guys have done a deal together. Jordan Moorhead here. Really quickly, wanted to tell you a couple other ways you can keep track of us. If you want to listen to all these podcasts and ask questions, the Moorhead team on YouTube is the best place to be. And then Austin Real Estate Investors on Meetup is a great place to keep track of all of our meetups we have going on. Yeah, with those meetups, I know it's hard. You get off work, you had a long day, 5, 6 p.m., you just ate, and you want to sit on the couch and just watch Netflix. You want to go to this meetup and... It's a little bit scary because you're worried people may judge you because you haven't bought your first property yet. But the community is so open. Like real estate investors love sharing their knowledge. And there's actually a lot more rookie or new investors at those meetups than you expect. It's not this like crazy, sophisticated thing where, you know, you're not going to be able to follow along. Like people just want to share their journey. So even if you're tired at 7 p.m., I really, really recommend you just make that leap, get out there and just meet a few people. Worst comes the worst. You don't enjoy it and you can go find another one. Yeah, it's a great time too. You're just having fun, hanging out. Like you might learn something, you might meet your next partner, you might find your next deal. You never know. Yeah, never know what's out there until you get out there. Absolutely. <clears throat> All right, Devin. So you've moved really quickly in these last couple of years. So you went from zero properties in two years to working on your fourth right now. Do you have any big goals, like a long-term goals for your real estate investing career or just a big vision? Yeah. So the word for me is I love to build. And I did the first two properties by myself. This first experience with this Canyon Lake Airbnb we talked about is so fun working in a group. So the thing that now keeps me up and it's my passion project is I'm a part of a group here called Creators. And we're a collective of some of the most ambitious dreamers and innovators. And we're led by faith. And we came together to build different business and initiatives. And the thing that is my ultimate long-term goal that we're already working towards is building a boutique hotel in the Hill Country. We've already cool. done the Airbnb out there, getting to know that area. There's just this massive need for people to disconnect, get away from the city, and just be inspired and be around other people that are of similar mindset. So we have a team together that I'm super excited about, some of the most amazing talent. We have Kate that's not only a extremely talented artist, she's the lead architect of Solo House. We have Tim and Charles, the visionaries of the marketing and design and really pushing that forward to something I haven't seen before. It's amazing. And I'll be on the operations side, sourcing the land and all things numbers. So that's one piece that we're working on and we're already made moves to source out land, but more to come on that. Um, that same group is also starting a fund to change the way real estate is transacted, um, a marketplace for people to invest in real estate and take that first step. 
And outside of real estate, we've led some initiatives around just service and giving back. We've passed out provision packs in East Austin and also driving forward careers and helping people be able to build up the resume. So there's really, really a lot of cool things there. And it's a passion project that really gets me excited and gives me purpose. That's awesome. And is there an area people can like check out what you guys are doing? Yeah, absolutely. You can check out creatorsatx.com and I think it'll still be in the show notes as well. Yeah, absolutely. We'll have all of the show notes, but yeah, that's really cool. Um, I'm excited. I didn't know really too much about what you were doing there because we just haven't talked about it, but uh, that's really awesome to hear. Um, yeah, that's the ultimate goal. Yeah, no, you guys are, I know you guys are going to crush it. You've done so well with just the, what you're doing right now. If you put a little energy towards that and you have a good team, I know you guys are going to do really well. Thank um, you. Appreciate that. You know, you mentioned Rich Dad, Poor Dad earlier on in the call. Do you have any favorite business or mindset books other than that that you like to recommend? Yeah, absolutely. Hands Down Can't Hurt Me by David Goggins. And for those that don't know, he is an absolute freak in the best way possible. He's talks about mindset and how you can push past your boundaries. And one of his lessons in his books that really stand out to me is the 40% rule. So essentially what that is, is wherever your perceived limit now is. So let's take the gym, for example. You go to the gym, you do your squats, you get to the point where like, I can't do anymore. I'm tired. Or if you're a runner and you stop at two miles, like that's it. Wherever your perceived limit is, that's really 40% of your full capacity. There's another 6% there being tapped into, but you don't think that you can. So how I've applied that in my life is this something that I've heard before is like how you do one thing is how you do everything. And if I go to the gym and I push past that 40%, I'm going to show up to work and as a real estate agent and check in and do that extra you know, 50, 60, 70% past my 40%. And then it'll translate to how I treat my family, my friends, you know, just every area of my life. So hands down, can't hurt me by David Goggins, um, 40% rule, look it up if you haven't heard of it. That's awesome. Yeah, super good book. And then he's got another one out too that is really good that I recently listened to. I think you were nice. reading, reading it or listening to it also, right? Yeah, I think it's never finished. I just started it recently. Yeah, never finished. Yep. Yeah. Awesome book. Um, awesome, Devin. So yeah, wrapping up here. I know people are going to want to learn more about you. What's the best way to follow you or get a hold of you? Yeah, the best way would be through Instagram, dang Devin ATX, D-A-N-G, Devin D-V-I-N ATX. And I also have my website, devindang.com. You can find out and learn a little more about me. Yeah. And absolutely, guys, we'll have that all in the show notes. So again, Devin on Instagram is at dang Devin ATX. I'm at Jordan underscore Moorhead on Instagram and everywhere else you want to find me. But absolutely reach out to us. Devin would love to talk to you. I'd love to talk to you. And we'd love to just help you with anything real estate related that you need here in the Austin, Texas area. Yeah, absolutely. My goal this year is to help as many people either become house hackers, buy their first property, it's absolutely changed my life. And really my purpose in life is to help as many other people, especially millennial minorities like me get into real estate investing, break past some of those barriers. So on my Instagram, I have a free consultation link that I'll do two max a week. And I'd love to sit down, chat with you and kind of figure out that next step and work through what's currently keeping you back from investing. Yeah. And I would go book those quick guys. He's only doing two a week. You want to jump on that before he doesn't have any left for the rest of the year. 
All right, Devin. Well, we will talk here soon. And thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Awesome. Thanks for having me, Jordan. All right.